The Cross and Wrestling Entertainment Podcast presented by Clovercrest Media is what you AEW fans have been looking for. Noah Cross and Tyler Bard give their take on every week's episode of Dynamite. If you are a massive AEW fan, then it is time to join us every Sunday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Stay Crossum. I love wiffle ball. No other way to explain it. Just something about the game, the feel of the grass, smacking that ball all over the field, making plays, diving head first, whatever it takes to get the job done. That's what wiffle ball means to me. Striking out grown men, watching their knees buckle on a call third strike. Sit out, bud. And then, of course, the home runs, the base hits, the big, big home runs at the big moments. That's a whiff of greatness. Join us all season long for the Joe Aguirre story, a CMG podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our main event. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Throwing Jabs Combat Sports Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Big Jace, joined by Joe Wire and Jared Jones. And we got we had a lot of good fights last week, so let's dive into those. Starting off with a f- potential fight of the year contender. You guys were blowing up my phone talking about this fight. Jerwin Ancajas retains his IBF Junior Bantamweight Championship against Jonathan Rodriguez via unanimous <laughs> decision. Jared, I'm gonna start off with you. What did you what did you think of the fight? I said if there was an upset coming on either one of those cards, this was going to be it. I said Rodriguez was a gamer and uh, being thoroughly um, underestimated in this fight. And I was right on every count. This should be an immediate fight of the year candidate. This reminded me of Gotti Ward. Amazingly, in that ninth round, the sixth they started training, the body shots, that Rodriguez, wall, oh my God, and kept coming. And you're losing the fight. This is when I say boxing brings something else out of you. People talk about sports building character. Those body shots that Rodriguez survived. The average human being runs into times like that in their life when they can breathe and goes away. If you've ever felt a body shot like that, you know what that guy was going through. And I tell you, there is a small percentage of human beings that can do what Rodriguez did, especially when you're losing on scorecards, when you're down. And you know that you're not landing the stuff that's going to win you the fight. The closest scorecard was three points. Three points, five points, seven points. You were behind, and it was obvious. And you fought your ass off this kid. Did I tell you now that this was a huge upset? This, the, the, the odds were all messed up, and it was going to be a really close fight. Man, that was a great fight. This was fight of the year for me so far. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, what a great fight this was. Uh, Titan lived up to his name. I'll say that. Um, I think if he if he had gone to the body early, like uh, Ancaius had, I think maybe things could have turned out a little bit differently, uh, especially in those middle rounds. Um, it was around when Ancaius dropped him. Was it the was that the ninth? Ninth, yeah. You know, a, a big difference in the in the final score. Uh, but man, Rodriguez. To, to watch some of those late-round exchanges, Jared, I mean, again, it, it, the heart you saw from a guy who knew he was behind, who had gone down, and who somehow, I mean, man, some of those exchanges, the, the combo, 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 and then combo right back, I mean, testament to that kid that he stayed strong, but it, it's time for Ancaius now to let's get, let's get to the next level, big guy. And I'm I'm not I'm not quick to say somebody looked like Ali or somebody that you know the fight was like Gotti Ward like, and I actually dislike it when other people do that, but when I saw him walking through those body shots and the grimaces on his faces and looked down and saw it was the ninth round, I couldn't help it. Like how can you watch how can you watch Gotti Ward? How could you have seen that fight sixth round when they stand toe to toe and trade punches? And it looks different than every other round. And then the ninth round where the body shots start landing and, and Gotti goes down. was the It was not Gotti Ward, but the fight followed that pattern. It was in, in the essence of Gotti Ward, the ninth round body shots, the war in the sixth. These guys, these guys put on a show, man. Now, unlike, unlike our partner, Jace. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, no. Last week we talked about how Amkahas always likes to fight down his, the level of his opponent, and I mean it was a great fight. But I, I guess we saw that a little bit as we saw Rodriguez kind of fight his way back. So, is Amkahas ready for the cream of the crop? Is he ready to go up against the upper echelon guys around his weight? No, no, this is further evidence of, of what I say about scrub scraps, that that the skill level of the fighters is not necessarily going to dictate the ticket sales or the entertainment factor, that this is fight of the year quality and neither one of those guys belongs on that next level. No and no, this is where we need to see them. This is the level they're on. There's levels to this and, and neither one of them is that next level guy. And I'm going to say that again in our next fight that we cover too. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I think I think and Cajas can because of the idea that he fights to the level of his opponent. I think that inconsistency almost makes him a little dangerous. You almost want to take him, you know, as a as a more talented fighter. You're thinking this guy doesn't step up. Those are the fights he steps up for. So I think he can be competitive. I don't know that he's going to win. I like the way he fought. He's a really good boxer. I mean, his the idea of going to the body, you know, when the other guy's just throwing at your head the first bunch of rounds. It, you know, Jared, you know better than anybody. It's easy to get into, I'm going to punch you back in the head. No, I'm going to keep working the I'm, I'm going to keep working the body. Level changes. I'm doing my thing. And eventually, Rodriguez was like, I should do this too. So... Yeah. You know, I, I think if you're a smart guy, you could stick to your game plan. Uh, he was never hurt in the fight, so you got to feel good for him there, too. I'd love to see him and Chocolito sometime this year throw 1,000 punches. 
That might be some fun. Yeah. Be fun. Yeah. Hey, this, again, this kid can take a punch. He could throw a punch. I like the way he boxes. I think again, Jared, whether he can dominate at the next level, I would say at this point, no. Can he compete at that level? Yeah. Will he give Chongolito a good fight? Yeah. Would I pick him? No. But put him up there. See what he's got. Again, I think a guy who can it's unfortunate that you would you would sort of go up or down based on, on opponent, but if he can do that with the big boys, then let's see what yeah, happens. Yeah, let's see if he can do it. So far, he's only played down to his opponents. Let's I, <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Fair. I agree with that premise. Let's put him against somebody else and see if he is really following that. Because if he's that guy that kind of rises and falls with his opponent, yeah, let's get him in there with Loma and see what happens. <laughs> well, you know, listen, this was his first fight with Al Heyman. So, you know, now these are fights that I think he can actually have. He was with Bob Arum for a decade. Yeah. Nice job, Bob. I mean, nothing doing, dude. I think it's time for, for Bob job. to hang him up. You're done, buddy. <laughs> well, I mean... Bob Arum. Time for Bob to air him out. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, Bob Arum and ESPN put together a WBO <clears throat> light heavyweight title uh, fight where Joe Smith defeated Maxim Vlaslov via majority decision. Uh, Jared, I know you alluded to this earlier. What do you guys say about this fight? Um, same thing. Great fight. Uh, uh, Vlasov was so unorthodox and hard to hit and obviously built a little bit bigger of a human Smith, uh, human being, but, uh, Joe Smith is a dog, man. This is, this is, I mean, wow. Every time I thought he was out of the fight, he'd do something like just answering punches. You know, he wanted to go get it back. Um, great fight. I had Joe Smith. I wouldn't have been mad with a draw. Pretty sure that's how Joe said he had it. Um, I, I thought Joe Smith won, but when I look at those other names, and I mean the top of the list for me, you guys already know, is Artur Paterbiev. You put him in there with either one of those guys, he will walk them down and smash them. Neither one of these guys goes four rounds with Paterbiev unless he takes his time. The top of the line in this division will smash either one of these guys. So good show. If this is the next tier behind Baturbiev, we got a huge problem. <laughs> I did have this fight as a draw. I said to Jared yesterday, if me, Andre Ward, and that first judge were scoring, this thing would have been 114 split. I like Joe Smith a lot. I was rooting for him in the fight. I don't know where anybody's finding a seventh round for him. I could barely get six. So <laughs> with that knockdown not being a knockdown, I mean, again, if you're scoring different, you're scoring because of the, the more power punches, okay, I guess then he won the fight. This it was a great fight. What struck me the most about Joe Smith, he reminds me of the old Francis Ngannou, where it's just he's just waiting to hit you with an overhand right. He threw... I think two or three good hard lefts at Vlasov. They were all really good punches, and I couldn't help but think, throw it more! <laughs> throw it more! You have two hands! Use the other one! Oh, my God, dude. That blew my mind. Meanwhile, Vlasov, I listen, this fight went how I said it was going to go. 
that it was going to take Smith some time to figure this thing out, and it definitely did. The problem with Vlasov, as I see it, is one of two things. One, he's weak because, dude, he throws a lot of laughs. They're always in your face. I noticed it in his last fight, too. It's always It doesn't do any damage. So I don't know if in this fight it's because of the COVID that he was recovering from or if he just doesn't hit hard enough. But to me, look, Vlasov, I love the style. I love the way he fights. I enjoyed this fight a lot. But I don't know how this guy beats people. Um, I really don't. It's shocking. But honestly, I, I would say this. Everybody we've seen come off COVID has lost. It, it's striking. I mean, there, there's something to that, and there's something to the stamina in these guys because you get this COVID, boy. I don't know. seems like none of these guys just has it anymore when they come back. So, I, again, I can't speak much to Vlasov, but if that's the best he's got, yikes. It, it just Joe, wasn't good sports enough. Sports, too, Joe. Go through the sports. Tennis, basketball, it's happening oh, yeah. a little bit everywhere. Everybody that gets it, man, it, it's it's definitely affecting the lungs, and it's definitely having an impact. I mean, Vlasov before COVID, I'd love to see this fight. I think he probably wins this one in a close. Yeah, game. me too. But I don't I don't agree with the idea of like how does he ever win fights? Do you remember um Ray Oliveira? He was my favorite when it came to this. I think it was like seventy five and ten or something. But um. Who would you know? Nate Diaz. Those Diaz brothers. Love them. They're not hitting you with hard stuff, but they're keeping you off balance and doing enough. And if I land right here, it can be that hard. I'm moving my feet too. And as long as I'm putting that punch in the right spot, that little bit of pressure to make you wobble or lean, it's taking all of the power off your shots. It's taking all of your balance away. You're not able to really do anything it's a tough way to win well thanos does that in our league uh little chris he's all of you know 145 150 pounds when we were fighting him five foot six but he'd get his he'd put his chin right between his ankles and then he'd start going back and forth like this and you could never tell which side the punches were coming from. He's a little bit faster. Not, not a little bit. A little bit faster than me, but for most of us, he was a lot a bit faster. Yeah. Um, and he wouldn't have to hit you hard. You know, he landed an uppercut that made me see stars once, but most of it was pop, 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 pop. And you're Rocky trying to catch the rabbit. So, um, and that's how Ray Oliveira fought was the same thing. He's, my plan is to throw 120 punches around, and you are not going to be able to knock me out. I'll see you after the 12th when we read the judges' scorecards. That's, yeah, it's a hard way to win, but it's also a hard guy to beat. If I'm literally going to throw over 100 punches around for 12 rounds, and I've never been knocked out. So I'll see you in 1,200 punches. Ding, ding. Yeah. Like now listen, <laughs> I, I I love a good technician as much as the next guy. I just think at in that division, I just don't know if that's the style I'd prefer. It just doesn't look good. Again, you, you put him up against a guy like Smith, and Smith said it himself after the fight. Obviously, they saw I landed more power punches. That's what did it. That's why I won this fight. 
I think there's something to a guy pounding you and you just kind of boop. I mean, I love it. Again, I love it. I love the fact that he, I mean, my goodness, Lasso threw so many lefts. Smith was begging for rights. I loved it. McGregor, Nate Diaz, though. McGregor's landing these huge pow, and Nate's just walking through them. Pop, 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 pop. Boom! Pop, 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 pop. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, just I'll take it I over Gagey. I'll take it over Gagey's. I can't style. I can't think of the last light heavyweight champion who wasn't a power guy. I guess that's my issue with Vlasov. I like Vlasov, don't get me wrong, but who's the last guy that wasn't a real power puncher? Canelo. Pavlik. I said top. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> again, it's it's it's. I, I just I want I worry long term, and I and I worry just again how much of that power is lessened from COVID, and what does that mean going forward? I think he's a great fighter. I love the style, and again, I if if you put a gun in my head and said who won this fight, I would have said Vlasov won it. Yeah, I mean, it, it reminded me a lot of Triple G and. Canelo too, where I mean it, it went to the guy who was being the who had the power shots, but you could also if you were a true like boxing purist, you have to recognize the jab. You have to recognize people getting those small little touch punches, even though they don't mean a lot. So yeah, uh, it, it was a good fight, um, but now let's let's move over. Wow, I I just sorry uh, to interrupt, Joe. Um, yeah, that is a really really good point. Which one? The answer is a local guy, right out of New Haven. When I look at these right now, Kovalev, Baturbiev, or all time, Ezra Charles, Archie Moore, Spinks, Roy Jones. My God. Uh, Kovalev, Tarver, Hill, Foss, Bob Foster, Adonis Stevenson. All of these guys were punchers. All huge punchers, you're right. The last great light heavyweight who wasn't a huge puncher, who was a uh, a right-hander who fought out of a southpaw stance. He beat uh, B-Hop twice. He beat... Um, Johnson, um, Chad Dawson, right out of New Haven, is probably the last not huge puncher that was a uh, undisputed light heavyweight champ. Went down and lost to Andre Ward and kind of fizzled out. John Pascal hit him hard a few times, but um, there are there. I I would have thought there were more of those. So so you're right. You're right. Light heavyweights, if you can't bang, if you don't have that one-punch knockout power, it's going to be tough to make that list. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I'll take it. Circle gets a square. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll let that ride. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. No, and I went on the all-time list looking like. I like that, yeah. yeah. Again, listen, I like Vlasov a lot. I, he's a really good fighter. And I mean, when I say it, how does he win fights, I mean, again, it, it seems like. It's a lot more work, and in that in that division, it's going to take. Unfortunately, uh, uh, when you're in a fight like that, what it could be a draw. 
That eye test. Well, geez, man, it really seemed like Smith really banged him up in the fight. I'm going to give it to him. Again, he's the I, only one in the top. But sorry, the top 10 right now. Tell me who can bang Kovalev, Baturbiev, Joe Smith, Jesse Hart, Vlasov, Jean Pascal, Elder Alvarez, Badu Jack, Gilberto Ramirez. Only one of those guys will, would you kind of want to stand in front of? One. Yeah. It's Vlasov. Yeah, you're right. He's the only one up there that can't bang. And when you can't, you're giving away that extra edge every time. The, that thing that Joe Smith beat him by, even though you would have said he would have won, you're giving that away every time. And uh, that's the great equalizer, they call it in our sport. Yeah. But in MMA, the great equalizer <laughs> is the wrestling game. <laughs> and boy, oh boy, was it a great equalizer in Kevin Holland versus Marvin Vittoria's uh, same thing happened a couple weeks ago with uh, Brunson. Vittori just did it. In my opinion, even fiercer. Uh, Joe, your boy Vittori wants a title shot. Does he get it? All right. Before we go there, I want to say this, because Jared and I talked about this yesterday. I, I, I don't think this is the worst thing that ever happened to Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland can't wrestle. Everybody else in this division is a banger. And will want to stand toe-to-toe and kick-to-kick with Kevin Holland. So he still has life in this division. I, I want to make that abundantly clear. He can he should, beat however, Adesanya? Can he beat Adesanya? Right now, definitely not. He's got to sharpen his game. And as I said last week, and I, and I mean this, and again, I'm a fan of Kevin Holland. As much as I like Marvin Vittori, Jace, I really like Kevin Holland a lot. I love a guy who can talk smack. You got to back it up, though. I mean, this this is a guy who does kung fu, who's got a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and just doesn't want to be on the ground and, and, and fight. Get serious about your business, dude. It, it doesn't take much to learn how to wrestle. I mean, look at Nganu. Yeah. He, he went out and he learned it. He's a big, weird monster, and he did it, and he learned it. He didn't want to use it. But he learned it. Just do that. Dude, even even um when Connor fought Khabib, like the first takedown, Connor did everything right. It was all, yeah, oh, maybe. Right? And then just before the second takedown, Khabib caught him with a left and he rocked McGregor's world. And, and then that was the, pretty much how that went. So I think Kevin Holland's gonna be okay. But dude, learn how to learn how to stuff takedowns. Because there you go, Tony. Adesanya, Till, Kennedy, or Whitaker. All guys you can stand and bang with. And Styles and it, make fights. Styles absolutely. make fights. What you said yesterday. Could Holland go toe-to-toe with Adesanya? Sure he could. He's going to win? Probably not, but I'd love to watch it. And I'd love He'd to do a lot better than he did against Vittori. He absolutely would. Now, let's talk about Marvin Vittori. Um, anybody who didn't think that this was better than the fight, that Brunson had with Holland, you're kidding yourself. And uh, so after the fight, Brunson suggested Vittori owed him some of that purse money for the blueprint. Calm down, big guy. Um, this guy did it. I mean, the, the most takedowns in a fight in middleweight history. I mean, come on. What the, he had, he had more takedowns in this fight than he had in his career. <laughs> 
At one point, Holland was egging him on to throw punches, and Fatui like laughed and took him down again. Like, shut your mouth, clown. <laughs> oh, but here's what I'm thinking, right? Look, if if Whitaker beats this isn't stand up. <laughs> if Whitaker beats Gastelum, Whitaker Whitaker is going to get another crack at Adesanya, and and I think he deserves it. So. Where does that leave my man Marvin Vittori? Well, he hasn't beaten a top five guy yet. And he's ranked third now. You know who else hasn't done that? Paulo Costa. Why don't we put these two together, number three and number four, for the number one contender spot? Can I fight Brunson instead? I like the narrative here. Nah. Why would Vittori take a wrestler at this point? <laughs> Fair point. This I'm is me. If I'm Vittori, I want to fight bangers now. This is a problem I have with MMA. Now, if I let's pretend I don't know the sport, okay, and I'm and I'm scoring at home, and um, I'm doing all these other, you know, 15, 30, 40 game in tennis. You know, that shit doesn't make sense to me either. But I was taking some notes. And assuming I don't understand how the game works, can you guys explain to me how um, Kevin Holland scored 44 points? What did he get 44 points for? Make a question, Make a question to ask. Because I was doing some math. <laughs> and I can't figure out where you listen. Total, utter domination and... Uh, this is what happens. This is what happens when you don't go, you know, I need to go back to the lab. That's a real thing. Go tighten your game up because there's just, 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 you tripped over the same stuff and fell in the same sand. You got, you got blisters on your feet and you didn't get new shoes and went right back on the same trail and they got worse and they were still there and you fell in all the same spots and yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think yeah. he needed Brunson. I think they got in there and they got to dancing a little bit and he went, oh, wow, <laughs> grappling's easy and then I can just throw him down. Oh, wow, and then I could just hold him here and rough him up? Yes. He didn't even have to watch the Brunson fight because it didn't look like that was, watch the first round, watch the beginning. It didn't look like that was necessarily his plan. But they did what they are built to do and Vittori found a spot that Holland couldn't keep up, a, a blind spot, and that was the beginning of the end. If I figure out I can hit you with a jab or make you move with a feint, you better clean that up fast because we will go all of however many rounds it is with feints and jabs and you'll never see me do anything else. Vince Lombardi had eight plays in his playbook, five runs, three passes. Now they have hundreds. But he figured if we do these eight plays right and make them work, run it again. Remember your coach? Run it again. <laughs> make it work. Yeah, so this was something that worked, and he just did what worked. It fell, fell right into each other. By the way, one caveat to my promotional plans here, if Gastelum beats Whitaker, he's ranked eighth. I don't think Gastelum automatically gets Adesanya. In which case, I'd certainly think Vittori. that Vittori would be the clear-cut guy um, to face yeah. Adesanya. So, right with that. You know who Vittori's rooting for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And uh, we'll see. 
Listen, but, fight um, IQ is really important. You know, yeah. again, I love Kevin Holland, but he's not serious and he's kind of an idiot. I mean, if I slapped you in the face, Jace, 10 times in a row, wouldn't you put your left hand up at some point to stop getting slapped? He seems yeah. like confused. It's the same thing over and over again, dude. You can't figure that out seriously. And like I, that, that, man, I'm always trying to put the fight game into life. And you just described exactly what I described when I talk about cuddle the bear with scrub scraps. Because when we see that in life, we go, man, you're making the same stupid decisions over and over again. You were like built and wired funny. And now you're falling into all of that same stuff, man. And it's easy to see from the outside. But for people where we're all, that's kind of how we live. You know, get to the lab, really do your homework. Because uh, this is what will happen to you over and over again. If Holland doesn't learn this, and I know if I'm going to fight Kevin Holland, I'm not training to box. I'm going to start grappling bigger guys, figure out how to throw them on the ground and hold them down. Because that's how you beat Kevin Holland. I don't need to work on my game. I just need to work on his weakness. And that's what he should be working on, too. Three weeks ain't enough time. Yeah, I mean, the best uh, example for someone, like, you see growth in MMA is when Holly Holm lost the bantamweight belt to Misha Tate. She took a picture of on, like, her Instagram with her in, like, a white belt saying, all right, time to get back to work. Mm. Then you fast forward to a fight like her against Megan Anderson where she takes her to the ground and dominates her for all three rounds. Like, you have to see that growth. And, I mean, I understand it was only a couple weeks and it was a short turnaround, but there was still zero growth, zero real attempt at growth from Holland, this fight. It was it was worse. Yeah. It was literally worse well, somehow. I mean, well, Katie Taylor, Katie Taylor and Holly Holm, let's put them on one side. And then on the other side, we'll put Kevin Holland and a girl named Ronda Rousey. Good, good fighter, but never able to make the adjustment that you can't box. So don't do that. Just headstrong and the baddest person in there every time, and then you're. But you're not working on. There's holes, and your 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 the gaps in your game are being exploited every fight. And that's where Kevin Holland is. You're going to have to change something. Whereas Holm adjusted and adjusted and adjusted and 26 time world boxing champion to MMA head kick Ronda Rousey knockout, adjusting, adjusting, adjusting. Katie Taylor was like uh, uh, the, the Ireland's best soccer player, girls and boys, as a child. There was a, there was a French um, Olympian basketball player who went on to play softball, who was in The Ultimate Fighter. Her name was Jessica. She was awesome, but she was just a gamer. She was going to fill those gaps, and she did it in her life. And she did it in her sport, whatever sport that was. And Kevin Holland hasn't done that. Go home, get to the lab, fill your gaps, take three months, three years, not three weeks, and fill the gaps in your game so that the next person doesn't come up and do the exact same thing to you. Yeah. um, I mean, hopefully Kevin Holland can take a break, (laughs) realize and learn from his mistakes because he obviously hasn't. I mean, obviously with the short turnaround. Again, he's got a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. 
Home just practice that, dude. Just work on that. That should be like a big help. But where did he get the black belt? Like uh, Sears, JC well, Tenney. Yeah, yeah. I, he didn't get it from Hoist Gracie. I'll tell you that. I mean, good <laughs> lord. Why do think they just hand those belts out to people? Some you gotta like are. work for it to become a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It's not, you know, like in karate, you got to do like tests and you do forms and that's how you graduate to the next level. In Brazilian jiu-jitsu, to move up, you have to <laughs> consistently, you have to consistently beat people that are the same belt as you. <laughs> oh, dude, <that's> <laughs> uh, dude, I mean, I, again, I, I, if I Some do of these Brazilian guys, after they get out of a fight game, they start using drugs and stuff. You know, the black belts get a little hokey. You never know where they end up. <laughs> Cereal boxes and stuff, whatever. Uh, <laughs> if I knew Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I would beat up everybody I meet. <laughs> I just would. Yeah. Oh, everybody. That's it. Everybody. everybody. I, every, you'd instant, like... It, Always. That's what I would do. You choked out. Yeah. Oh. He's at a red light like, hey, pal. <laughs> Where <are> you headed? <laughs> Want to roll? Oh. <laughs> I don't get it. Right. But, I mean, we'll see what comes from Kevin Holland. And, I mean, we'll, and we'll see from later tonight what's going to happen next with Vittori. But before we get to the fights tonight, we got a who you got. But first, we got a little message from Rocky Hill Accountants. Rocky Hill Accountants offers a unique, low-pressure approach to professional and personal services, which is why they have an excellent client retention rate and are extremely proud of the high-quality services that their firm provides. The executive team at Rocky Hill Accountants has over 35 years of combined experience in income tax preparation, bookkeeping, accounting, and IT crypto tax. They specialize in individual income tax preparation, as well as trusts, estates, and gift tax returns the tax deadline for individuals is May 17th. If you're one of the 50 million Americans who still hasn't filed, visit RockyHillAccountants.com. Thank you, Rocky Hill Accountants, for that. Um, make sure you check out Rocky Hill Accountants for all your accounting needs. But, uh, all right, so we the, the big fight this weekend is Jake Paul and Ben Askren. That's the one everyone's talking about, and showcases to one MMA guy coming into the boxing ring and then Jake Paul, who he's a YouTuber. But I I hear a lot in this buildup about Jake Paul's wrestling in high school and how he was an all-county middle linebacker or some bull crap like that. So that leads me to the who you got. And great that Jared's back because I think he alluded <laughs> to it a little bit earlier. What is the non-combat sport background that would be best for success in the ring or cage? Jared, I know you talked a little bit a couple of minutes ago about Katie Taylor playing soccer. That yeah, I, um, <clears throat> I think hockey is the easy answer. Um, I thought about lacrosse. Um, the, the, that movie Dodgeball, I mean, some of those guys are pretty tenacious. But soccer, if I had to pick one background, and I'll tell you why this is the right answer. 
Because I've seen football players come to the gym with zero experience and they get beat up. I've seen basketball players come to the gym with zero experience and they get beat up. I've seen every kind of athlete come into the gym. They all get beat up. But for some reason, the soccer players are able to use their legs to survive and do things that nobody else can. Stamina, you know, consistency, footwork, they've footwork and balance else there. Footwork and balance. Yeah. Mm. It is uh and yeah, that's a great uh, I think soccer. Are you gonna say ballet? I am. I'm actually gonna say dance. Uh ballet or Eastern European dancing. There's a lot of it's about balance and footwork. Look at Lomachenko, look at Shevchenko. A lot of these Eastern European fighters have wow. dance backgrounds. <laughs> I, I, I'll never forget Lomachenko. It says when he fights, he's got music in his head. Yeah. And you don't know what the rhythm is. Only he does. And I remember when I heard that, I thought, oh, this guy's playing chess and these other fools are playing checkers. I mean, this guy's doing it way up here and you're all you ever- over here. You ever jog, Joe? You ever like, jog, you know, like twice a week, jog a mile? Have you? Do I strike you as a jogger? No, no. But has there ever been a section of your life where you did that? I'm no. sure you've had an ever like constant exercise. Let's say, maybe. Well, wow. Yes, I mean, I, I played, I played ath- athletics. I mean, right through high school. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I did all the the training. So yeah, I've certainly been through it, but I didn't like it There's or want to do it. Game you kind of play with your brain when you're training like that, where you get tired. And you're focused on the tired and you're focused on your body. And there's this whole workout and then you start to condition yourself. And that focus on your body and your conditioning and the tweaks and the weaknesses, it starts to quiet down. And you're able to focus on these other things while you're doing this intense activity that you ought to have all of this. You're now conditioned for it. So there's this... uh, Roshan talked about it last week during the spotlight, kind of this eye of the storm type of thing that happens where it all just clears out and we're dancing. Yeah, I love that, Joe. Wow, that's two today, Joe. Damn, you guys, I went, (laughs) I I chose football, but more specifically, the defensive line. Look at who is the most successful athlete to come out. Um, I hate to say it, but right now it's Greg Hardy. No other, no one's had that success at another sport and then come over to the UFC. I guess Brock Lesnar, but I mean, that doesn't, I don't know. Those are all combat sports. But the thing with defensive linemen, and I don't understand why there isn't a lot more defensive linemen, people with defensive line background. Because I mean, if you talk about the UFC, a lot of them, a lot of the former football players, like you got the Eric Anders, the linebacker from Alabama. The D-line, with the hand fighting you learn and you do with the D-line, I, I feel like that would transition very well into throwing punches as well as like all the leverage and speed and knowing timing and all that stuff. I, I just feel like that transitions very, very well to combat sports. And we haven't seen a lot of – that crossover besides Greg. I can't I can't get down with that one. Is Greg Hardy or 
Your top guy, like I no, have Katie Taylor, no, he's got no, Shevchenko, no. you've got Greg Hardy. <laughs> I mean, D-line. Let me tell you a quick story, quick story, and I'm going to name drop. I hope I hope I don't offend anybody here. I'm sure it's uh, – yeah, yeah, screw it. So, so, so this is an impression, ready, of a D1 lineman. All state, all country, all world, woo, boxing gym. About to be a two-sport two athlete. Huh? I think I couldn't be a champion in this shit. Chris Baker is his name. Look him up. Yeah, two-sport athlete. Who wants to do something? John Scully got in the ring with this massive man. And a few rounds of and Scully. <laughs> no punishment. He let him punish himself. And then he laid down on the ground after a few rounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Scully leaned down to him and said, hey, I'm going to need you to get up and get out of the ring because there's boxers that need to use it. <laughs> this guy, is he still in the NFL? Chris Baker is the guy, is the defensive lineman that I'm talking about still in, still in the NFL? Because I know he went from uh, um, defensive tackle, currently a free agent. Hampton University, oh, no. grew up in New Britain, six foot two, 320 pounds. And it was game time for, for uh, 5, 11, 185 John Scully. It was playtime. This was a kindergartner messing with a, messing with a graduate, a postgrad. It was bad. See, but that doesn't that's more an ego thing than uh than uh what background is suited well for. But if that guy came in and actually gave a crap about boxing and didn't have a huge ego, I think he'd be great. Because so, of what he has. So, but I'm just, saying he figured on. that football background was going to be enough yeah. to step in the gym and he would have been better off with soccer because he couldn't move. He had no stamina. He couldn't get out of the way of anything and he couldn't land anything. And the guy who was boxing was twice his age and, tw and, and half his size. Just doesn't you, translate well. Let me give you the scouting report on Greg Hardy as a football player. Hardy is underrated in terms of strength, has great full body strength to anchor, bull rush, hold his ground, and makes tackles in traffic. Is better at using his speed and agility to outmaneuver defenders. He does not have strength to bull rush or overpower tackles. Does a great job of keeping outside contained and can fight off blocks with his hands. Is a fighter with his arms and hands. <laughs> so Greg Hardy is was sort of an exceptional defensive lineman in terms of his hand movement and his speed. I think if Greg Hardy has an issue, it's the footwork. And again, I, that's why I think dance, I think soccer, I think any of the sports that where where balance uh, and movement is, is you know, footwork is, is key are again. I mean, Greg Hardy, I, I, I'm surprised there's not more de especially the, the defensive linemen of today's NFL which are, you know, 6'3", 260-pound guys, uh, you know, built like Nganu, and they can run four five forties. Um, You know, that kind of athlete, I, I I think, could do some damage, but I don't know how many how many of those guys you're going to find at 24, 25 years old 
who are switching from football at an elite level to MMA. Who's doing that? I mean, if you've got that kind of eliteness, you're talking about a handful of guys in the world. If you're 25, you're probably in the NFL making them, you know, tons of money. Why? So again, I mean, late in your career, you want to go fight in the UFC when you're 33 and a free agent. I don't know if that's where I'd want to go make my UFC debut is all I'm saying. So I think until you start getting more of these new age defensive linemen where they become more a dime a dozen, where you just have these big, tall, long, strong athletes and there's not enough room in the NFL for everybody. Then I think that's certainly a position directly from the NFL, Jace. I'll give you that. Um, that's definitely a position I could see where where guys would come and be able to compete um, professionally, as opposed to say offensive linemen who generally aren't in great shape. Or wide receivers, sure. Again, great footwork, great footwork, but you know don't 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 have the athleticism. Lesnar wrestled in college. Was a D lineman. I was going to say he was a D lineman as well, wasn't he? In football, so he did about preseason with the Vikings. That's all. That's again in Purdue. That would be the best position out of football to come from, I would think, as far as the transition. But again, I think there's so few guys at that elite level that. You wouldn't leave your sport in its prime to go do another one, especially when where would you have gotten fight experience before you get to the NFL? So now, again, what do you like? You're 28, you're 29, you're like, ah, heck with the NFL, too violent. I want to fight. That makes more yeah. sense. Um, I don't I don't know why you're doing that. <laughs> never, that's never happened before. Um, it's a boxing show. You got to punch him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, again, uh, as far as um, NFL players, I don't know that um, I don't know that you're going to see that anytime soon. Again, I think for all practical and intensive, all intents and purposes, I think the anything that requires footwork and balance is going to help you uh, when it comes to fighting. So here, this is what I'd want to do. I'm asking you guys, pop quiz, try to be honest. Try to be honest, okay? okay? We're gonna find our bigger dancers, our top dancers. We're gonna get it, get it, get get the bigger ones. We need some bigger soccer players too, because Jay said D lineman, right? So we're gonna get the smaller D lineman, but just randomly line them up in weight classes. You're taking the dancers, Joe. You're taking the defensive linemen, and I'm taking the soccer players. Do you guys really think when we put them in a ring together that your guys are going to stand a chance? Again, the soccer players are just going to be person for person a little bit tougher than the dancers and Bro, have much more down. stamina than the football slow players. Slow down. Aaron slow Donald down. is knocking everyone slow out. Down. Slow down, bro. If you think that my dancers are a bunch of like toe tappers in like white, oh, I didn't say that because my soccer players, though, bro. If my dancers are gonna go out in public and tell you they're dancing, they're already looking to fight, they're already ready. You want to say something about my dancing? Let's go. Yeah, I'll take my dancers any day of the week. (laughs) (laughs) This is the sharks and the jets. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh damn. All right, but yeah, I mean, I like that. I mean, before we move on, I, I do have to mention uh, James Johnson in the NBA, undefeated amateur MMA fighter as well. So I mean, th- there is opportunities. People have done it. So I mean. And everything brings something different to the table that something else can. So The best argument, though, I think, is if I go looking for soccer players, I'm going to find Katie Taylor at the top of the list. If Joe goes looking for dancers, he's got Shevchenko and Loma. Tell me that defensive line transition. Are you riding with Eric Anders and Greg Hardy? Brock Lesnar in high school? I mean, what... I don't, no, I don't know, man. I, I think I'd I think I'd have liked those other ones. Hockey, lacrosse, tap dancer, Sugar Ray Robinson. Damn. Yeah, so when I say I'm bringing the dancers, I'm bringing Sugar Ray, <laughs> the greatest of all time. So I think I win now. Over you and Pele. Oh. <laughs> you, Pele, and Mia Ham. I don't know any other soccer hey. players by name. No, I mean, Jared would for sure have all the Brazilians, right? In MMA, oh, of course, that's, that's 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 a real scary part. But uh, all right, let's get on to fights tonight. Starting off with uh, this, um, let's get this done and over with. Um, ben Askren, he's uh, fighting some guy. I think he filmed some stuff for the internet. And Jake Paul. Um, Jared, what's going to happen in this fight? <laughs> You're asking me? Yeah. You're asking. Um, I don't. Let's have Joe talk. Ben Askren is 36 years old, 5'10", with a 72-inch reach and a record of 19-2-1 with six knockouts and six submissions. Askren started wrestling in high school before going on to become one of the most accomplished college wrestlers of all time. A two-time NCAA Division I champion for the University of Missouri, he went 45-0 in his junior year and 42-0 his senior year, winning the Dan Hodge Trophy and ending his career as a four-time All-American with a record of 153-8. He also won gold medals in the Pan American, National, and World Championships. He qualified for the 2008 Olympic team but lost to Kuba's Avon Fundora. In February of 2009, he made his MMA debut with a first-round knockout, and in 2010, Askren won the Bellator Fighting Championships Season 2 Welterweight Tournament, beating Ryan Thomas twice, once by submission and once by decision, and then dominated Dan Hornbuckle. He then went on to dominate champion Lyman Good and defended his belt against Nick Thompson, Jay Harrion, Douglas Lima, and Andre Koreshkov. He then joined 1FC, winning the welterweight title by first-round knockout over champion Nobutsu Suzuki. After five title defenses, he made his UFC debut with a bulldog choke submission of Robbie Lawler. On July 6, 2019, after a heated buildup to their fight, Askren was violently knocked out in five seconds by rival Jorge Masvidal, who dispatched him with a flying knee. After getting the fight of the night award and a losing effort to Damian Maia, Askren announced his retirement from mixed martial arts. However, after months of back-and-forth trash talk over social media, he decided to come back for one more fight with YouTuber Jake Paul. Jake Paul is 24 years old. He's 5'10", with a 76-inch reach and a record of 2-0 with two knockouts. From Cleveland, Ohio, Paul and his older brother rose to internet fame on the now-defunct site Vine, 
where he built a massive following of 5.3 million followers through prank and stunt videos. Throughout his career, he's been known for becoming embroiled in numerous controversies, both in his personal and professional lives, leading to a beef with internet personality KSI and his brother, Deji Olantanji. On August 25, 2018, the Paul brothers took on the Olatanji brothers in exhibition fights held in Manchester Arena, with Jake winning via fifth-round TKO. Originally calling out singer Chris Brown for his professional debut, he instead settled on fellow YouTuber Anson Gibb. Paul won that fight, stopping Gibb halfway through round one. On September 12th of last year, Paul faced professional basketball player Nate Robinson on the undercard of the Roy Jones Jr. vs. Mike Tyson fight. At the 1 minute 20 second mark of round two, Paul knocked Robinson out cold with a brutal right cross. From there, he began to campaign on social media for fights with real fighters, at first calling out Dylan Dennis, then Conor McGregor, until finally getting Ben Askren to accept his challenge. Uh, all right, thank you for that, Joe. Now, Jared, you have been... Oh, you're muted, Joe. That's the worst thing I've ever created in my life. <laughs> talk all that, spend all that time talking about Jake Paul. But, uh, Jared, you have been a big Paul brother sympathizer on this show. So what do you think of this fight? I appreciate you not using the word fan, I have to say. Um... Uh, well, I, and it's more just that I support the idea that there's levels to this, and let's iron out what the levels are. We need to stop calling this just pro-boxing with everything else. You know, even that uh, even that uh, Rodriguez fight. Like, there's, there's so, the tiers are so well-defined and such a stark difference between them. There are Chris Bakers every day that walk into gyms and think they can be competitive because they won a street fight. Because they, you know, I knocked I knocked somebody out behind the bar, and now I'm 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 ready to start my career. And no idea what's going to happen. Literally all the time, you stand in those gyms and the <laughs> guys walk in, and all the all the people in the know kind of chuckle to themselves about what's about to happen. Um, that, and that's how different the levels are from first walking into, you know, I was telling a couple buddies of mine the other day in every gym, every boxing gym out there, there's a 12, 13, 14 year old kid named Josh that will kick the shit out of all three of us at the same time. <laughs> every gym has some little kid that will just smoke any regular person. That any regular person would look at and be like, that kid don't want it with me. I don't want to hurt anybody in here today, coach. That's what I said. That's what I said when little Matt Remillard came hopping over. Hey, listen, buddy, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe you don't know who I am. You know? <laughs> Bad news. Don't be that guy, you know? But, but that's the thing is that there's levels to it, and nobody understands that until they've actually stood in that position, until you're getting in touch with those, until you're Chris Baker crawling out of the ring. That's when you figure it out. So I'm a fan of setting up the levels, and this is obviously a level below, but stay away from this fight. If you're betting, if you're picking, stay away from this fight. The odds are fairly close. The over-under six, it could go the distance. Somebody could get stopped. Askren just got knocked out with that uh, flying knee. 
he just replaced both knees and retired and it's like everything's wrong about this guy and jake paul's a youtuber so how for real is it i'm taking jake paul by decision but don't i wouldn't put a penny on any of those outcomes because i don't know not enough information i bet the numbers not the fighters and we don't have enough information on either one of the fighters Jorge Masvidal's predicting Jake Paul's going to kick Ben Askren's ass. <laughs> I, dude, I, I read guy. a whole uh, that dude. Masvidal's running his mouth about this like crazy, and he's like, Jake first Paul's- time I saw, first time I saw Masvidal was he was fighting Kimbo Slice in a backyard. Yeah. Yes, that was my first experience ever. So I'm like, who is this guy? To still be watching him act the fool out i love this guy okay oh yeah those guys that's kind of that like the diaz brothers you know when my when my wife first saw the diaz brothers she's like these do not strike me as guys you'd be a fan of because most guys like this you're just not a fan of now she loves them you know but this is a this is in that same by the way staying with the diaz brothers i at first didn't like him and the more i watched him i'm like no no, I do love these guys <laughs> no, a like lot. Yeah. yeah, a lot, lot. Masvidal's um, yeah, great. This is, I, I like that Jake Paul's fighting an actual fighter this time. I think that's a step up in the world. I think that at least makes it competitive. I mean, Ben Askren does have a couple knockouts in his career. It's not like he's never knocked anybody out. Not exactly known as uh, much of a puncher, obviously. Um but he does know how to fight. Dana White pointed out, you know, Ben Askren's fought a ton of actual fights against actual people who trained and fought other fighters. So I don't know. Can't Jake replace Paul. that. <laughs> Can't right? That. Like there's there's a, you know, Ben Askren, again, while he's, he might struggle because, look, Jake Paul is trying to take this at least somewhat serious. I'll give yeah. this kid that much credit. He he is training. He does know how to fight a little bit. Again, as Masvidal said, is he beating Zab Judah? No. Um, would he get destroyed? Yeah. You know, but is he legit enough to beat the shit out of Ben Askren? Definitely. That's Masvidal. Uh, line for line for you. So, <laughs> well, and I wouldn't be surprised if the full time athlete, if the kid with the college wrestling career and all of that experience, is finds a way to pull out a sporting event against Jake Paul. I wouldn't be shocked if uh, Askren Askren wins. Like I said, I wouldn't want to put a penny on knockout decision, Paul or Askren. Nope, steer clear of this one. No idea. Let me ask you this. Just be not not for betting or any other any other purpose. Do you think that Jake Paul has the fight skills to knock Ben Askren out? Yes, I think I think anyone can knock anyone out. No, 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 well, no. That's, especially that's after not, you've been knocked not out like that. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think, Jace, I don't think that's true. And I mean, you could technically say that about anybody, but I mean, no, squared up in no, a fight. Oh, no. Squared up in a fight is different than can anyone not get anyone out? Yes. If Jared's not looking and I run across the room and throw a right and he thinks I'm going to hug him, yeah, I could knock him out. But Does anyone, that count? Can, no. anyone can land a punch. 
That's tough, though, man. To act like that's what I—that's I think that's what you're trying to say, Joe. If I'm facing you and you're trying to land that punch, Jared, right? If you and I squared up and I'm like, I'm gonna punch Jared out, it would—I mean, maybe. I don't know how long it would take me before I was able to land one on him. If we were in one of those little diaper changing pods or something, maybe. But as long long as I have a little room to move around. I'm trying to figure out the scenario where, I mean, again, if I'm not throwing a sucker punch, I don't, where am I, how am I doing this? That'd be really hard to do. Well, and yeah, there's, and there's other people, I don't want to name any names, but where I'll stick my chin out blindfolded and, uh, nope, (laughs) probably not going to happen. Think about how many punches Vlasov threw at Smith. Uh, I don't. Yeah. Did he? Did he ever hit him square in the face? I don't know. He didn't, certainly didn't. Get, he didn't. He never got his knees to buckle. So the idea that you can knock anybody out in theory is true. But again, if you're talking about straight up two guys fighting, suddenly the odds are going really down on can you knock that guy out? I think what I mean to say more specifically is, do you think Jake Paul's got boxing skills enough to where? He could, he can, he can find a way to, 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 I mean, like what he did to Nate Robinson. Do you see a scenario where he hits Ben Askren with a punch of that two caliber years and ago, dropped them? A year ago, year and a half, two years ago, prior to the Masvidal uh, stoppage, I would have said that Jake Paul um, loses this fight and can't, doesn't have what it takes to knock Askren out. But as we stand now, that's the last time you were knocked out. I understand uh, uh, how, how brain function works. And he's going to be easier to turn off. Do you remember Chuck Liddell at the end of his career? It was so sad to watch. Every, every yeah. time somebody touched strong, him, he used to be that strong, guy. Just took A him. strong breeze started taking Liddell out at the end. It was weird. And it's yeah. because you get those those mileage. It's like a uh, you know throwing a, um, a something at a wall. And once it starts to break and fracture, that's like literally what's going on in your brain, by the way. Once you have those fractures start, it gets easier and easier to put something through it, you know? And that's, uh, so how much of that does Askren have left? How much of those walls are still there? And how much of a punch is it going to take to knock him out? When a guy gets touched like that, you never know until after the next fight if they have any chin left. And uh, that's the only reason I say yes is because I because of the way he got touched last time, like maybe he got maybe. touched by Masvidal with a knee. <laughs> Paul knocked Jay out Paul with a glove. Is a little, okay, fair, fair point. <laughs> um, you see what I mean. <laughs> So wait, hold on. Am I getting this right? Both of you guys are picking Jake Paul. I'm I'm taking Jake Paul because I you just love don't Masvidal too much. I, I like Masvidal too much to take. No, I'm <laughs> telling you, I just my my thought is: look, my brother just put in the comments. You know, if Askren gets caught, he can't use the wrestling, which is what he would do in a real fight. So now. You get hit hard by a guy you don't think can hurt you, and he hurts you. Where do your instincts go, Jared? If I'm Nate Robinson, straight to the crossover. Exactly, and that doesn't help. <laughs> that doesn't help in a fist <laughs> fight. And I, 
I just wonder again, you know, if 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 Askren, you know, I mean, there's one thing to clench. Is he going to be clenching Paul around his waist? You know what I mean? I mean, well, when- and yes, I'd rather I'd rather get hit uh, by Nate Robinson with a glove on than by Masvidal's knee. I mean, fair point, Jace. You 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 <laughs> definitely make a fair point about of strength of opposition there. And like I said, prior to that, I just sent Askren across the board, even with the stoppage maybe. But where we are today, it's hard to know what he's got left, dude. He just did both knees and got knocked out in one of the greatest knockouts we've ever seen. Who knows? What's left there? Tough You're to picking say, Askren? What? Yes, I'm picking Askren. I'm Askren you now. What the hell? Of course I'm picking Askren. Jake Paul's a freaking YouTuber. He knocked out an NBA, a retired NBA player. How is that? Got like, tired doing it. Ben Askren is a former Bellator welterweight champion. Like, what is going on here? I don't care age or anything. I'm giving the respect to the man that deserves respect. And Ben Askren is going to win. Holy crap. Okay. Ooh. I mean, maybe. Listen, here's. I guess. I... <laughs> maybe. You guys, you guys have distinctly different passion levels when it comes to this topic. Chase, like Ben Askren, he's gonna win. Eh, I, mean, I, don't I, know. Can't, I can't deal with these calls in that. my life this much. I just listen. Can't. If your question is Joe, who do you want to win? That is a much different conversation than who do I think will win. That's not what we've been asking. Yeah. <laughs> so no. that's why I say I I would love. I mean, I want to see Jake Paul get beaten down badly. I just don't know that Ben Askren is the guy to do it. Askren, by the way, six knockouts in his career. He has knocked out six guys in his career. Um, obviously, he's not a not a knockout guy. So, but he still I think has. That's what I want here. If I do take a bet, I think that's the one I want. Fight goes the distance. Over five and a half is the bet. Yeah, I, I like but that. I steer clear of it. But uh, I, I, I went on my spiel about how the Paul sucks, how Jake Paul sucks. But really, the one real thing that like sold me on this fight for Askren was a couple weeks ago they did a little interview. They did a press conference. They faced off, and I don't remember what happened, but somehow Jake Paul ended up hitting Askren. And it looked – I mean, I, I can only tell with my eyes and the camera. It looked like that was a real shot. You Like, Jake Paul wasn't holding back at all. Right in the stomach, and Askren just went on doing his own thing. So from that, that is the real uh, – obviously, Askren is, has a lot of these accolade, a- accolades. In, in the octagon, and Jake Paul has nothing in besides knocking out a former basketball player. So I, I, I with, with all of that and what I saw from that press conference, I, I'm very confident in Ben Askren going into tonight. Um, I just did a little more research on uh, Ben Askren, and all six of his knockouts were TKOs where the fights were stopped. So he's never physically turned the lights out on anybody. And he will tonight. Let's go, Ben Askren. I hope so. I hope so. I'm just like Jared said. I ain't putting any money on that. 
Nope. That's a good one to stay away from. Yeah. I'd rather I, I wish he was fighting Masvidal. I'll tell you the truth. I'd love to see Jake Paul fight Masvidal. You know, we have another fight just like that on that card. We didn't list it, but uh Frank Murr and uh Steve Cunningham. You've got an older boxer who knows how much is left versus an MMA fighter who's not a boxer. So yeah, conventional wisdom, take the boxer, sure. On the other hand, these are big guys, and the boxer's 38 years old. Yeah. But, uh, all right, let, let's let's stop with this nonsense and talk some real <laughs> with my man, Demetrius Andrade, taking on Liam Williams. Let me break it down for you. Demetrius Andrade. The 33-year-old is six foot one with a 73-and-a-half-inch reach and is undefeated at 29-0 with 18 knockouts. From Providence, Rhode Island, Andrade began training at the age of six and went on to have a very successful amateur career, winning the U.S. Amateur Championship and the Golden Gloves twice apiece. Initially struggling at the international level, he won a silver medal at the Pan Am Games and a gold medal at the 2007 World Amateur Championships. He defeated Keith Thurman to make the Olympic team, but lost to Kim Jong-ju in the quarterfinals. After compiling an amateur record of 55-10, and 10, he turned pro in 2008 with a second-round knockout victory. After going 19-0, he won the vacant WBO junior middleweight belt by defeating Vains Marturosian via split decision. He defended the belt three times, before defeating Jack Colke by split decision for the WBA title. In 2018, Andrade defeated Walter Katondakwa via 12-round decision to claim the WBO middleweight belt. Unable to secure unification bouts with either Triple G or Canelo Alvarez, he defended the belt three times, including knockouts over Luke Keeler and Arthur Arkovavov. Now, Andrade's opponent, Saturday night, Liam Williams, is 28 years old, standing 5'10 with a 70-inch reach, and has a record of 23-2-1 with 18 knockouts. From Church Village, Wales, the machine started his amateur career at the age of nine and went 44-5, and winning Welsh titles before turning pro in 2011 at the age of 18. After going 11-0-1, he knocked out Michael Lomax to lay claim to the Commonwealth Junior Middleweight title and in his next fight, won the vacant British title via second-round knockout over Chris Carslaw. After three defenses, he fought Liam Smith for the WBO junior middleweight title, losing via ninth-round TKO. In his next fight, he fought a rematch with Smith, losing by majority decision. After knockouts of Joe Moldener, and Mark Heffron, he defeated Francis Kareem Accor by second round knockout to win the WBC silver belt. He's only been able to fight twice since then with a fifth round knockout of Alantez Fox and a first round knockout of Andrew Robinson. The names are really hard for those. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> That's why I gave it to you, bud. <laughs> but uh all right. Demetrius Andrade taking on Liam Williams. Uh, Liam Williams is great. Uh, I just think Andrade is – I think he really is the future of this middleweight division. Uh, I like how he matches up with guys like the in the upper echelon with the Triple Gs and the Canelos. I, I think he can really give them fights, and I like Andrade a lot. Just yeah, there. you know, look, you're 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 not wrong, man. Uh, and it seems to me like nobody really wants a piece of and and oh. which is weird because, um, you know, he he's got a belt, and um, you think some of these other fellas like Triple G and Charlo would be, uh, you know, looking to looking to get a piece of that action. Nobody wants to unify against Andrade, so. I definitely think there's uh there's something to this guy. I think he's gonna dominate Williams. Um, you know, he he really wanted Billy Joe Saunders, uh, another guy who doesn't seem to want a piece of him. So, you know, go out there, take care of business, and uh we'll see what's down the line for Andrage. I gotta bring you guys uh um through the numbers here. Wow, so Demetrius Andre, 29 and 0. You know, I've explained to you guys the ELO rankings on uh, BoxRec yep. and how those work. Um, so all things taken into consideration, Andrade's best wins uh, for 98 points, Maradasian, and um, then 47. So 47 and 98 are his best wins by, by the numbers. Um. On the other hand, Williams has two losses, Liam Smith both times, 159 and 165. So compared to 98, he's losing to the best guy either one of them has fought twice. His draw, tie-in booth, 0.538 is the guy's ranking. Demetrius Andrade beat somebody with a 98.35. And you have a draw to somebody with a .538. His best win, Mark Heffron, 14, is the box recce low ranking on that guy. His best win is 14. Andrade has wins over guys 47 and 98. And you have a draw to a .538. This is Andrade all day. All day. Yeah, I honestly think Andrade is a middleweight version of Terrence Crawford. I feel like he's just not getting the respect he deserves. He's very, very good, and he is very kind of interesting. Like it's, uh, it's a hard puzzle to figure out when you're in the ring with him. He like didn't the get the fight when there was a reason to fight him. Right. Can Canelo got the fight with Floyd because there was a reason to fight Canelo because he was he was younger and still coming up. They let this guy fully develop before he ever got that fight. And now that he hasn't got that fight, he's got no belt. He's got no notable wins. Why would anybody fight him? This guy makes sense to duck. As much as I hate to say it, I like him. He's a local guy. We've met a few times, been in the same gyms. Huge fan of Andre. There's a reason to duck this guy. He's a he's a monster. This is, yeah, this is the boogeyman of that division for sure. Yeah, you know, interestingly enough, Triple G just turned 39, doesn't have any fights lined up. Um, neither does uh, Rayota Murata, who's another one of the belt holders in this division. 
Uh, Jamal Charlo will be fighting Juan Montiel. Montiel's coming off a first-round loss over a washed-up James Kirkland. Um, This is a guy nobody wants to fight, but he's not a big enough name. He needs to start getting some big-time wins here, but he can't get anybody to fight him. So he's kind of in a tough spot here, and and I think if it, I think Demetrius got to go out there and like I mean put on a show. You gotta you gotta knock Liam Williams out. You gotta just take this fight to him and show everybody what everybody's actually afraid of. And then when the fight's over, start saying some names, start calling out Triple G and Charlo and whomever else uh, you think might be worthy of your challenge. Because he's going to have a really, really, really hard... I mean, again, this is a guy nobody wants to fight. So how do you get to the next level if nobody will fight you? <clears throat> no. Well, Williams has never been stopped either. Uh, um, one Lost by knockout, it was a cut, though. Double laceration to the right eyelid, unable to continue, 9 of 12. So this is a guy that hasn't been stopped. If you can, after Liam Smith couldn't twice... And and he won a judge on one in one of those fights too. Um, to be fair to to Williams, he can fight. But uh, if Andre can stop him here, you gotta we gotta stop ducking this guy. We gotta get him a fight. Uh, Andre's not gonna stop him because Andre. I remember his last fight. I think he was getting or a fight before that. He started getting booed because he was just so dominant, and he wasn't really doing that much. He wasn't really being the uh, aggressor. But like Selecki, I remember that. Yeah, and he he was on the mic and he said, "I, I don't care what you guys think about me. I, I you guys want me to go in and risk getting knocked out, but I'm going to do the smart thing to make sure I win this fight." I've used a quote after that fight several times since then. Demetrius Andrade won one twenty to one hundred seven, one twenty to one hundred seven. 120 to 107, and then said, the people that want you to go to war in the ring are not the same people who show up at the hospital. And I'll never forget him saying that. So well said. So well said, my man. The people that want you to go in the war in the ring are not the same ones that, that show up at the hospital. So, yeah, maybe he lands something and is able to finish. And I saw him, without opening any huge windows, Looking for that shot. I didn't even feel like he was walking it out or necessarily should get booed, but he took the safer approach to it where he didn't get hit with anything. And he'll likely do that again, and you may be right. There's, there's, He won't stop a guy that's never been stopped before. He'll beat him handily by decision. 10 to 2, 9 to 3. Yeah, the, 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 he's like Kamaru Usman. He's like Crawford. He, he, he doesn't. The fans, there's just a disconnect with the fans for some reason. But I, I, I like Andrade a lot, and I think he is one of the top, if not the top, guy in middleweight right now. But now, let's head over to the octagon. We mentioned it a little bit, going from the boxing middleweight to the UFC middleweight as Whitaker and Gaslam square off. And we got Tony giving us his tell of the tape. All right, guys. Tonight on ESPN, we have what's sure to be an exciting slugfest in the middleweight division as number one contender Robert Whitaker takes on number eight, Kelvin Gastelum. Let's break it down. Kelvin Gastelum, 29 years old. He's five foot nine with a 71 and a half inch reach. He has a record of 16, six and one with six knockouts and four submissions. 
Growing up in Yuma, Arizona, Gasolum won a Division III state wrestling title in high school, then attended North Idaho College where he was ranked as high as fifth in the country before deciding to become a professional MMA fighter. He turned pro in 2010 with a second-round TKO and went 5-0 before being selected for the Ultimate Fighter 17, Jones vs. Sonnen. After defeating Uriah Hall in the final and becoming the show's youngest winner, he got his six-figure UFC contract and moved down to compete at welterweight. After defeating Nico Musake and Jake Ellenberger, he faced Tyron Woodley, losing 30% of his purse by missing weight and losing via split decision. It was his second time missing weight, and he was ordered by Dana White to return to the middleweight division, which he did in 2015 with a second-round TKO of Nate Marquardt. After dropping a split decision to Neil Magny, he signed to take on Donald Cerrone, but after failing to make weight again, the fight was called off, and Gasolin was told to never fight again in the welterweight division. He bounced back with a decision over Johnny Hendricks and knockouts over Tim Kennedy and Vitor Belfort the latter fight being ruled a no contest after Gastelum tested positive for marijuana. After losing by triangle choke to Chris Weidman, he knocked out Michael Bisping with a thunderous left cross and followed that up with a hard-fought split decision over Jacare Souza. In his next fight, he put up a valiant but ultimately losing effort against Israel Adesanya for the interim belt in a brutal match considered by many to be the fight of the year for 2019. He next fought Darren Till, losing a very close split decision and after failing the post-fight drug test, was suspended for five months and forced to complete a drug treatment program. After getting submitted via heel hook in a little over a minute by Jack Hermanson, Gastelum was finally able to end his losing streak by defeating Ian Heinish via unanimous decision. He enters this fight as a replacement for number two contender Paolo Costa, who contracted COVID-19. Robert Whitaker, 30 years old. He's 5'11 with a 73-inch reach and a record of 22-5 and with nine knockouts and five submissions. Born in New Zealand and raised in Australia, Whitaker began training in karate at age seven, attaining his black belt at 15. He began training in MMA shortly after, and in 2008 began his professional career with a first-round knockout. He had a solid start going 11-2, and two, with all of his wins coming by submission, but then he lost the decision to Court McGee and was knocked out in his next fight by Wonderboy Thompson. He then went on a seven-fight tear, including a knockout of Brad Tavares, a decision over Uriah Hall, and a pair of head kick knockouts over solid contenders Derek Brunson and Jacare Souza. This put him in line to fight Yoel Romero for the interim middleweight title. Whitaker went on to defeat Romero via decision, and after sitting out the rest of the year due to a knee injury and a staph infection, he returned to defend his belt against Romero, winning the entire fight of the night bonus of $100,000 as Romero failed to make weight. He was scheduled to fight Kelvin Gastelum, but pulled out a few hours before the fight due to a hernia. In his next defense, he took on number one contender Israel Adesanya, and despite putting up a solid performance in round one that saw Whitaker land some damaging shots, he was ultimately dethroned, getting nailed by a left hook in the middle of throwing a flurry. He bounced back in 2020, winning a pair of dominant victories over the top challengers Darren Till and Jared Cannonier to put himself back in the number one contender spot. The current number six fighter in the UFC, Whitaker has some of the cleanest boxing skills in MMA using a wide variety of feints to set up his power shots and also possesses grossly underrated wrestling ability and an excellent career that has been hampered by constant injuries. Conversely, Kelvin Gastelum has displayed an exceptional fight IQ, solid counterpunching, grappling, and excellent stamina in a career that has shown flashes of brilliance but has been marred by inconsistency both in the octagon and on the scales. Can Kelvin Gastelum turn this into a dogfight and pull off another upset on his road to redemption, or will the sharper technique and crisp striking 
lead to another dominant victory for Whitaker as he takes one step closer to winning back his title and getting revenge on Adesanya. Tune in tonight for what's sure to be a slugfest you won't want to miss. Thank you very much for that, Tony. We will not be missing it. There was the tail of the tape, but Joe, who will come out victorious? Um, I will take Robert Whitaker in every fight that Robert Whitaker is in, <laughs> including if he gets another shot at Israel Adesanya, even though I know he probably won't win the fight. I love this guy. I think he's he's one of my favorite guys in 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 the entire sport. Um this is a guy who will take take it to you in, in in any way. I mean, you know, he he certainly loves to scrap. He'll get down on the ground and fight dirty. I mean, it, it, I love Robert Whitaker. I think this guy's uh the heart this dude displays to me is uh off the charts. Uh, I love Robert Whitaker. I think again, I mean, you heard it. Gastelum's got talent. But kind of like Kevin Holland, it's like Dude, I mean, you're struggling with weight, the drugs. I mean, come on, man. We all like the party, but get serious, dude. You know, this is your career. I just don't feel like he takes his career seriously enough. Robert Whitaker, obviously, since the loss to Adesanya in October 2019, that that's all this guy's been thinking about. Um, was getting back here and and went toe to toe with Till and with Cannoneer and. He just knows he got to beat Gastelum here, who's stepping in for Paulo Costa, uh, who I could be saying a lot of the same things about uh, that I said about Gastelum. You know, get it together, dude. Amazingly skilled. Use your skills, and you, you, you know, that's how you get to the top of a division. But I, I give Robert Whitaker a lot of credit, um, and I would give him a fighter's chance against Adesanya after he takes care of Gastelum. I think this one goes to distance, and I think Whitaker. I think he just dominates this fight. I, I, I mean, I think Gastelum will, will do what he usually does. He'll have flashes of brilliance, but boy, it's hard to take Robert Whitaker out. And I don't see Gastelum taking a decision from him. So yeah. Whitaker's going to win it. Apparently, the belts these guys have don't cost a lot. Um, <laughs> I like Whitaker too. And this is one of those great situations where the guy, there's a guy I like. Oh, like not just as a fighter, but I think he's uh, like I like this dude, and a guy I don't like in Gastelum. I don't like Gastelum. I do like Whitaker, and I think Whitaker's the better fighter and gonna win the fight. So it's got all of those things. It's uh, it's it's rarer than it used to be, you know, that I like and like one guy and then dislike and dislike the other guy. So Whitaker all day. See, this is hard for me because I like Gaslam. I like Whitaker. But um, when they were originally – Don't start Gaslam up now. No, when they were originally going to fight for the belt before uh, Whitaker got his had, had a hernia, I really liked how Gaslam matched up with Whitaker. I, I like how the power he has and how he's able to box in the pocket. Hot take. But now that – since then, it seems like they've both gone in different directions. And I, I think Gaslam's just more so on the downward slope. And Whitaker's just the guy now. I'm going to pick Gaslam just for shits and giggles. But, uh, yeah, I think Whitaker should win this fight. 
And if Gaslam does get this win, he can catapult himself back into the title picture. But I don't see it happening. Uh, my brain's saying go Whitaker. My heart's saying go Gaslam. So I'm going to go Gaslam. Yeah, Whitaker. <laughs> I mean, it's... Did you just know. did you just pick Gastelum? Yes, I just picked Gastelum. Just okay. now, when we both picked Whitaker. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He's picking <laughs> with his. I like it. His he said his brain would go with Whitaker. He's gonna go with his heart yeah. and go Gastelum. Now again, listen. This is one of those fights where you're right I'm not, not to trust your brain. <laughs> I'm, yeah. Yeah. Whitaker. I. I mean. I. To, right to say Whitaker's gonna win this guaranteed is no, right? I think this is a fight where, yeah, man, like if Gastelum's in the right headspace, you know, we know what we know what this guy can do. Is he hungry enough? Is he serious enough? Is he drugged enough? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't like Gastelum outside of something like that where he comes in and looks freakishly strong and we immediately wonder what's going on. I'm a lot more confident in Whitaker than it sounds like you guys are. I think this. Is oh, no, 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 no. Listen, don't get me wrong. Down. All I mean to say is, you know, can Gastelum fight a good fight against Whitaker and win a fight? Sure, he can. I mean, I wouldn't say it's impossible, but. Again, everything I've seen from Whitaker, and since Whitaker lost to Adesanya, this guy is on fire. I mean, I, yeah, Gastelum will, will give you a good fight. I just, to me, Whitaker wants this more. Whitaker had, Whitaker got to the top and he liked it. And then he lost and he wants it yeah. again. And he seems super fired up about it. And again, dude, this is a guy who I think can take a punch as good as anybody in the UFC. And and as good as Gastelum can be, I just think Whitaker's too well rounded for him, and I think he'll take. I think he wins this fight. I'm confident in Whitaker, but what I mean to say is, can Gastelum win this fight? Sure, he can. You know, it's it would. He's gonna have to throw the kitchen sink at Whitaker because Whitaker's just not a guy you can take out. Whitaker is a guy you're gonna have to beat him for all five rounds. the The last five seconds of this fight. I promise you, if they're both still standing, they'll be throwing punches. And Whitaker will eat all of them and love it. So Gasolum's got his work cut out, boy. I mean, this this will be a big, a big fight for him. But as Tony just pointed out in the comments, he's like the Jerry Quarry type where you get to the top and you just don't have an A game. And I just think Whitaker with the experience and, again, having been a champion and wanting that back and knowing if he wins, he's got the showdown pretty much lined up without Asanya. Yeah. Better than that. That's all the motivation in the world I think that guy needs. Yeah, yeah, I like it. The, uh, the only thing why I, I can see Gassam winning, why I saw Gassam winning years ago when it was supposed to happen, uh, when Whitaker got the hernia, was uh, Gaslam is so good in the pocket. Like you can see that with the Bisping uh, knockout, he's able to set it up with a nice little straight and then the hook. He's got that nice combo. He's very good when you get in close. And Whitaker, every time he gets knocked down, every time, even with Adesanya, he gets too close to guys. Same with Yoel Romero. When he gets in close, people can land on him. And those shots affect him. So that that's the only reason. And I, 
like I said, at, at that point in time, I liked Gaslam when they were supposed to fight for the belt. But now, just how the different trajectories everyone's going, I'm still going to go Gaslam. But I don't know. But that's going to. I got to tell you, your words confuse me. They should. Yeah. You're saying everything. I'm standing there with the bat, and then here comes this Bugs Bunny pitch. Oh, <laughs> where is this going? I like it because he he's he he's makes some sense right until like the last four or five seconds, <laughs> yeah, and then everything everything goes different than what he just said, and a different name comes out of his mouth. Yeah. Five, four, three, two, eight hundred and seventy-one. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Look, but you know what this about. is, Jared. You know what this is. <laughs> this dude's hedging his bets, like he's done previous weeks, where you and I can't be right every week, Jared. And he gets nothing if he goes along with us, and we're right. But if we're wrong, and he picks the other guy. If it's you watch Jimmy Johnson, week. it's a whole week of yeah, 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 yeah. Text messages, liking all your comments about why Whitaker was going to win the fight. <laughs> Look at him; he knows. I know you what watch, you're all about. Chief watch Garcia. Jimmy Johnson on the NFL pregames because every year he's like five, ten, fifteen picks behind everybody else. And starts deliberately picking the opposite one because it's the only way to catch up. <laughs> That's what these picks yep. are. I said it when I picked Megan Anderson <laughs> over Amanda Nunes. Like, I'm okay to admit I was wrong. Because I knew <laughs> what was going to happen. But when I'm right. How big of you? How big of you to it's admit courageous. it was a poor choice taking Megan Anderson <laughs> over Amanda Nunes? Yeah, I can That's be like, courageous. we, I, I mean, I'm yes, right, Jared, right. you're right. How this guy musters the courage <laughs> to admit that that was a poor choice, not only just in theory, not only on paper. But then after the ass-kicking happens, for this guy to humble himself uh, and to look into that camera and be uh, like, I don't know, Megan Anderson, <laughs> there was every reason to pick her, and I did. She just didn't go out there and pull off the biggest upset in UFC women's history. That's not on me. That's on her. Jared, the worst part is he's not wrong. Not yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, he will be about Gaston. I'm fine with his stupid next week, but if I can take that risk to eventually look like a mega genius the next week, I'll take it. I'll, I'll look like an idiot to look smart. Oh, Play the odds, dude. That's smart. <laughs> All right. But the, that's going to do it for fights this weekend. We're going to end the show like we always do. Jared, it is with that flurry. I've had a couple of friends in the last uh, week call me and ask me for advice on relationships. They're going through something and ended up uh, out of relationships or just kind of looking to walk their way through it. And um, I had one of them say, I just feel like I just need another girl. 
And I'm trying to explain to him how when you jump right into a relationship after you had a relationship fail, you're destined to fall into those same pitfalls. You'll find your new dance partner and you'll start dancing and it'll happen exactly the same way, just with another face on it. Um, and if you need a fight game representation of this, look no further than Kevin Holland's last two fights. Derek Brunson started to grapple with him, found out he could throw him to the ground and hold him there and rough him up. And then did that round after round and minute after minute. And Holland, three weeks later, with an opportunity to fight, took it. And it didn't look like that was Vittori's plan. But once they started dancing together, he found all those same gaps. And Holland hadn't spent enough time by himself in the lab to avoid falling into them. And that's what we do when we rush into relationships. Reminded me of a conversation I had with my little brother a long time ago, and he did that same thing. I just need to go find the right girl. It's not working out because I haven't found the right girl. And I said, I want you to do me a favor. You close your eyes for me. And he closed his eyes. And I said, picture that perfect girl. Really take your time. What does she look like? Lips, hips, fingertips, voice. Have a conversation with her. What does she do for work? How is she? Like really sit and be with her. Close your eyes and really have her there. Can you see her? Can you feel her? She's right there with you. You see her? And he goes, yeah, you really see her. You Everything about this girl now. He says, yeah, I can see her. I can see her. I said, all right. Now, I want to ask you a question. What does her man look like? And he went, I got to get my shit together. <laughs> Go back to the lab. Fill up the gaps. Make sure you don't fall into the same pitfalls. Because if you jump into something, you're destined to repeat all of those same mistakes and drag that other person through all of those same pitfalls. First, get your shit together. And she will be waiting there for you when you do, I promise. Or he. Thanks, guys. Hi, my name is Allison Gamber. I'm the executive director for the Cove Center for Grieving Children. Our office is located in Meriden, and we provide services throughout Connecticut. We are so excited to be having a virtual event coming up, the Hope and Healing Virtual Auction and Celebration. The auction will be held April 22nd to the 24th, and the celebration will be held on the evening of April 24th to talk all about the Cove services and what we've accomplished over the last 26 years. If you'd like to join us for the celebration, registration is free, and you can find all that information on www.covect.org. And the link for the virtual auction will be put up there on the evening of April 21st to start auction, live auctioning on April 22nd. So come and join us to celebrate the Cove and raise some funds so we can continue to offer our programs free of charge. Okay, um, thank you for that, Flurry Jared. Uh, thank you for the Cove. Uh, make sure you check that out for that auction. Well, and thank you guys for watching and listening to us. I'm excited for this weekend. We've got some great fights in store but thank you guys we hope to see you next week for more throwing jabs take care ladies and gentlemen this is our main event